The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. This is one of our favorite times of the week. This is our weekly listener mail segment where we comb through social media. Uh, we go deep into our voicemail queue. Uh, we get messages from email as well from, you know, whispers in the dark at crossroads at midnight. And we pick just a few each week to share with you, our fellow conspiracy realists. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about peanut allergies. We're going to talk about urban exploration and strange abandoned places and before we do any of that we want to uh we want to share with you an excellent piece of correspondence from one of our fellow listeners in iran um now full disclosure we went back and forth upon about whether to put this at the very end or to put it at the very top um we're going to hear from person going by the name of Unwilling Stardust. A bit of background before we dive into this. Uh, this is lengthy correspondence, so we are going to share excerpts. If you would like to, uh, if you'd like to read the entire thing, you can ping us and pinning permission of our conspiracy realist here. Uh, we can share it in full. But if you have been paying attention to the news, regardless of where you live, you are likely aware that Iran is now embroiled in um, a lot of instability due to protest. And it's unfortunately accurate to say that much of the reporting about this from the West is often riddled with propaganda because uh, the U.S. and its allies are geopolitical enemies of Iran and its allies. But as, always, as we always say, no matter which 
country you look at, at any time in history, the people are not the government. So you have to remember, no matter how vilified a country may be in your local news or your news sources, that country is made up of people just like you. And many, many, many of them, the vast majority, have no real say in the actions of their country, sometimes on the international sphere and often even in the domestic sphere. So with that preface, here we go. We're just going to share share as much as we can here of the story of Unwilling Stardust. She begins, Dear Stuff They Don't Want You To Know, Hello, I hope you're well. I wish I could say the same. By now, I imagine you have heard of what is happening uh, of the demonstration in Iran, but I assume there aren't a lot of English resources with flash news covering the whole situation. Unbiased, of course. I didn't want to send you this email for a very long time. I tend to avoid these situations, but today is not the day for being scared, and this is the least I can do for my people, the ones that are dying in the streets fighting for the minimum amount of human rights. Today I have no choice but to start talking. Today I am going to break the silence, my own and the ones standing in the way of information between our nations. As the saying goes, while I stand on the bloody pages of history as it's being written, I wish to do justice by covering this situation as much as I can. And here we'll, we'll go to some excerpts. Uh, Unwilling Stardust says something that uh, some of our other contacts in Iran have confirmed. Uh, there are widespread internet restrictions, more so than usual. Uh, there are tons of apps being banned or filtered on people's mobile devices. And of course, there's a pretty pervasive monitoring program. Uh, as a matter of fact, Unwilling Stardust is conscious the entire time they're writing of uh, the fact that their internet may be cut off at any moment. So this act, as it might sound simple if you've not lived in a repressive regime, but this act of sending an email is uh, tremendously courageous. Uh, and should be acknowledged as such. So she continues, I am a 20-year-old girl living in Iran with a massive interest in sociology. I've been raised in a family deep into politics, meaning that I grew up learning how to see the truth behind the scene of what we are presented with. But today is different. There's no longer hiding, pretending, or covering. The government has become what it always was behind the shadows. There have been situations like this throughout my life when people wanted to attend a peaceful protest, but their simple demonstration turned into a battlefield with an unfair war against them, getting shot, killed, tortured, and attacked. And she continues, as I am writing this email, gunshots are ringing in my ear, echoing from everywhere in the streets as the screams of the protesters get lost in the sounds of sirens. This was, by the way, sent to us on September 22nd, so this is still very recent. Uh, and Unwilling Stardust wants to document her experience of what's happening on the ground. And she uh, structures this the same way we structure our episodes, beginning with here are the facts. And she mentions how a young woman and her brother came to Tehran, the capital of the country, to research a, new, uh, a university that she was going to matriculate in, but their journey was cut short at the train station when the moral police of Iran arrested her for disobeying the hijab law or the covering of, of uh, one's head. And she begged them not to take her. She said, they're not, you know, we're not from Tehran. We haven't done anything wrong. She is abducted into a van and unwilling Stardust says, this is the typical protocol. It's nothing new. It's how you are treated for being a woman in this country. She says, this is also not why I'm mad. And she goes by giving the blow by blow here. This is tremendously unpleasant, folks. Uh, she says, the authorities tell her brother to come pick her up roughly an hour later at this address they give him. He finds the place and he's a, this is a young kid. He's 16 years old. And he eventually finds the place. And when he goes to pick up his sister, all he learns is that she is in critical condition. She is in a life or death situation. When he starts to argue about why his sister's beaten up like that, they attack him with tear gas. He calls their father, gives him an address of the hospital, finds the hospital. They find his sister there, but they are told to go away because she is in a coma and they can't meet her. 
Later that day, they learned she has died. The official explanation, a heart attack. And uh, Unwilling Stardust points out that a lot of people have a problem with that official conclusion. And she says that the police narrative here is is clearly false or has a lot of holes in it. And then here's where it gets crazy. She says, I'm reporting this event live because I'm not sure how much of it will be censored until it reaches the other side of the world, which is us here on this show. And she lays out a very compelling case of a conspiracy on the part of law enforcement in the country uh, and how it resulted in this young girl's death, uh, even pointing out that her clothing was not technically against the law. This is very well documented. It comes with uh, our our fellow conspiracy realist has given us multiple sources, uh, many of which are Western, and has done all the legwork for us. Uh, I believe that we may need to cover the protest in Iran and the fallout uh, in an episode very soon. I want to stop here with the praise of the letter, as well as the updates Unwilling Stardust has given us with time codes, which I knew you would appreciate, Matt. Um, <laughs> right. uh, with, with this, again, not sharing too much of the letter here out of concerns for anonymity, how aware were you guys of the protest, the ongoing protest in Iran? I've, I've started to see it really blow up on social media, and I'm sort of embarrassed to say that I have not uh, dug in much deeper um, than just the surface level, which is sad considering how it affects human lives and yet is just another in the long line of, uh, of things in our feeds. Um, this has really slapped me into reality and made me uh, much more aware that I need to do that thing. Uh, I, I share maybe unwilling stardust sentiment here that, and what you said at the beginning there, Ben, that a lot of the reporting I've seen on this does come from Western sources. We do know that the United States and Iran have a very strange relationship. And it it weirds me out because any major protest occurring in Iran makes me feel suspect about possible outside involvement and push pushing narratives, right? Pushing things on social media on purpose to make sure it becomes the biggest story. But in this case, there are massive protests on the ground that that you can see on the social media side that you're talking about, Noel. You can see the actual pictures. We aren't just relying on pictures from news outlets to see what's happening. Um, we're hearing reports from people on the ground experiencing right now like Stardust. So I know I'm less skeptical of it. It's just awful. It's a terrible situation to be killed for what you're wearing because it doesn't meet the the stringent needs of any religion. Yeah, and the it's important to note the um the conspiracy, the cover up that unwilling Stardust is writing to us about is a different individual from the one who died, uh whose death is seen to have sparked the protest. That is Masa Amini. Uh and pardon of course unwilling Stardust and other uh friends and fellow listeners in Tehran, we are not native Farsi speakers. So uh, we are doing our best. Uh, and we do have your back here. Am I wrong that this is somebody who died while, like during the protests that was picked up? Or is this a whole separate thing? This is, I mean, this, what we have to realize is this is reaching a systemic crisis level. Okay. There are multiple victims here. The, uh, Origin, the genesis of the protest, uh, you know, you'd see the footage of women burning headscarves and demanding reform, right? And there's been a lot of public dissent about reform in Iran uh, for quite some time. Now the protests have spread uh, to over 80 towns and cities in the country. It's broad-based. A lot of it is spontaneous. As Anusha Teshami, the uh, professor at Durham University in England, puts it, these are not pockets of protest. This is not like a one-city movement. Uh, this is engulfing the country. And I share, you know, sadly, some of the same skepticism you describe when I see news like this, Matt. Uh it's spread now, like women and girls are the driving force behind the protests, but other students are joining in, male students, soccer celebrities, workers going on strike. Well, and these, these types of protests are usually led by that echelon of, of society, you know, and, and 
other parts of the world as well. And things like this also really draw attention to the fact that while, you know, you could be hyperbolic and say that the United States is inching towards totalitarianism or has been, um, it certainly, you know, shows the stark difference between, you know, how protesters are treated here versus how they're treated in other parts of the country. Um, not to say that there aren't massive inequalities here and massive problems and, you know, police brutality and government crack Backdowns and things like that, but it's just not the same. Agreed. And we also know the story that Unwilling Stardust is telling us is one example, again, of multiple horrific events. Uh, she links to a pretty comprehensive series of tweets. And, you know, honestly, in repressive regimes, uh, Twitter can be, Twitter has a lot of problems, let's admit it, but Twitter can be an incredibly effective way of circumventing government controls over information and comms. So she talks about how a 10-year-old was murdered amid the protest. Uh, students were getting expelled for fighting, allegedly. People are injured, but they're not going to hospitals because they believe with good reason they'll be arrested. There are reports of unarmed citizens being shot in the middle of the street or shot at. Uh, the police have also apparently um, murdered a 15-year-old boy. Uh, you can, like, the list goes on, and it's terrifying stuff. I want to end with, again, these are just excerpts of a much longer, excellently written letter. Uh, I want to end with Unwilling Stardust's final statement. Tonight, the war is fought with acid attacks and guns. More than 200 people are killed in only one city that I am aware of. In just one night, the night I am typing this, internet is disconnecting in all cities. We are getting cornered. Wish us luck, world. We need it the most now. It's powerful. It's somber stuff. Um, and again, you know, we say often that you listening are the most important part of the show. It's true. It won't exist without you. Uh, but also over the years, uh, we have, uh, we have all, I think become pretty, pretty close, you know, longtime listeners. We've been there with you in some very amazing moments of your life and some harrowing moments. And honestly, the same could be said of you being there for us. So to the people of Iran, we have your back. Uh, we know that we are on the outside looking in, but we would love to bring more visibility to this, uh, potentially in a future episode. And to do our best in this regard, we need your help. So if you are in Iran and you are able to write to us safely, uh, if you have family there, if you have experience there, uh, also prioritizing your safety please do reach out to us, conspiracydieheartradio.com, 1-833-STD-WYTK. You can find us on social media if that's uh, easier and, again, safer. Uh, of course, we are on Twitter. Um, if you are uncomfortable with any of those means of communications and you have something preferable, then find the one you're most comfortable with and let us know how best to communicate with you and what platform you use. I wonder if there's a way like we could even get like a WhatsApp account or something like that. I mean, it seems mm -hmm. like, you know, there are some places where you can make direct telephone calls. So you could call our number potentially. But I think it maybe has to be an, an, uh, in your contacts or it has to be like confirmed or something. I'm not quite sure. I've only done WhatsApp like, you know, directly to a person that I that I already know and have confirmed their their number. So let us know if there's a way to, you know, be more accessible. Mm -hmm. We will, yeah, we will do our best to work with you. And so far, just so you, if you are in Iran and you're, you want to get a sense of what the reporting is like now uh, here in the U.S., uh, earlier this week, as we record, Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Khamenei, uh, said that the U.S. and Israel were responsible for the, the protest. Uh, and as of now, West... What? Yeah, as of now, Western media is quoting Iranian state TV that says 41 people have died in the demonstrations. This is from MSNBC, just came out a few hours before we recorded. However, human rights groups are estimating the number to be much, much higher. And Unwilling Stardust, it sounds like you are telling us from experience uh, that the numbers aren't matching the official narrative. So with that, uh, we are going to pause for a word from our sponsors. We do hope you reach out 
if you can do so safely. Uh, we'll be right back with more messages from you. Stay safe, folks. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand. Temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And we're back with another message from you. This one comes from one of my favorite uh, all, uh, nom de plumes, nom de internets uh, of, of late, coinky dink. Because I look at it and I see the word coin because coinky, and then I see, K, K, I don't know, it's just fun. There's, there's a lot going on there. Um, I'll just dive right into it. This is sort of about um, the idea of allergies and what that actually means, big picture. Hi, STDWITK team. I appreciated the book reading assassination episode. I've ordered the book. Looking forward to reading it. Hey, our viral marketing is working. Uh, follow follow Kawinky Dink's lead and get the book. It's out now. You can get the audio book if that's your bag. I'm an audio book guy. Uh, if you want to hear Ben and Matt and myself read you uh, a story, multiple stories, you can do that. Or you can order the actual book. It is a lovely piece of, uh, of, of literature with uh, illustrations by our buddy Admiral Turbo Nick Benson. Uh, going on with email. Wanted to share some thoughts. This one's been back burning in my mind for a while. The peanut allergy. So why the rise in people allergic to peanuts? You know, peanuts is off, you know, off the email. It is one that you like, they make a big deal about. If you have kids, there's certain, you know, if you have a kid with a peanut allergy and your kids like peer group or whatever, no peanut butter. No, you can't bring like eat my kid, you know, went to a smaller private school a while back and there was one kid that had a peanut allergy and no one was allowed to bring peanuts because it can be inhaled. Like, I mean, there are like, it, it's very serious. Peanut allergies can cause people to go into anaphylactic shock and uh, potentially die. It's a serious, like a, like a shelf fish allergy like it's a big deal so why the rise in people with peanut allergies so my thoughts are this the peanut growers changed something in their process maybe modified the seeds changed pesticides fungicides or herbicides or introduced something into the soil so here's what i found the uptick of allergic reactions starts around the 1990s the peanut growers are advised to rotate crops with bahia grass i'm not sorry if i'm not pronouncing that right bahia grass 
bahia grass causes severe allergic reactions. Uh, and then there's qu- quite a few good links um, that uh, Kawiki Zink has provided. I think there's bahia grass or similar allergens being grown into the peanuts. Uh, and this is my own commentary, or at the very least, on the surface of them, you know, like being transmitted with them. Um, while doing some searching to explain to my grandmother why the modern flour uh, was not nearly as good for her tortilla making abilities, I came across this video for modern wheat versus ancient einkorn. I had to Google this. Einkorn, um, or also known as emmer, or maybe they're just two related um, early forms of wheat, are apparently very, very similar, higher in fiber and protein than standard modern wheat, and they have more antioxidants and nutrients. But here's the thing that interested me. Um, Einkorn, according to uh, a couple of sources that I found, uh, is the only wheat never hybridized, and it has only two sets of chromosomes. Um, So that's very interesting. So going on with the email, my thoughts keep looking for explanations. We thought my daughter was allergic to strawberries, but most likely it's the pollens, mold spores, or other contaminants on the berries, not the berries themselves. If I rub them while rinsing them under water, she'll have no reaction, but only running water on them and she'll have hives. Another burning thought in the back of my mind, how did we survive so long without knowing about RH factors in blood? We'll get back to that in just a second. Does that explain more lost pregnancies that have uh, may have been attributed to diseases, um, environment, or hygiene? Could this be another reason why it was favorable to inbreed uh, or marry within one's family? Um, and then there's there's a few more uh, great links. And then love the show, Kawinky Dink. So the idea of... Um, RH blood factor. This is a thing. It's called the rhesus factor. And I'm reading this from Medical News Today. So this is my first uh, encounter with this. So I'm just going to read it directly. And I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts. Um, The rhesus factor or RH factor is a protein that may be present on the surface of red blood cells. If RBCs contain red blood cells, um, contain the RH antigen, they are RH positive. And if not, they are RH negative. It is important to know a person's RH factor to ensure that they receive compatible blood. So that's you know, to do with transfusions, but it seems that it also can have to do with allergies uh, and, and how, you know, you are affected by certain allergens. Um, but I don't know. What, what do you guys think about, you know, the idea of rotating a crop as important, you know, staple crop as peanuts, you know, old George Washington Carver and like the gazillions of uses for peanuts and peanut oil. And like, I mean, I feel like Bubba in, you know, Forrest Gump talking about the different uses of shrimp. But I mean, peanuts, obviously peanut butter is a huge staple food. It's very affordable. It's very high in protein. It's massively popular in, in the United States and other countries, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Um, the idea Peanuts are that, responsible for what I think is the best sauce on the planet. Oh, yeah. A like, a, like a nice peanut penang. sauce. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Um, but the idea that it's recommended that they rotate it with this other grass that I'm not aware of. We know about crop rotation. That's a, that's a way of, you know, making sure you're conserving your soil and keeping the nutrients rich and not depleting the soil because one crop without rotation will do just that. So if you rotate it out with another one, it kind of strikes this balance. But if you're rotating it with something that is more of an allergen than is it that thing that is somehow leaching into the soil it, again i'm not a i'm not a botanist i i don't know i'm, I'm literally just going by what uh, what was in quinky dink's email and some of the sources but i'm interested to see what you ben and matt think uh, about that possibility i mean it is known that this this grass in particular does have a, a damaging effect like it can cause allergic reactions it might be a little bit different, though. This is such an intriguing concept here, Quinky Dink. It, it might be a little bit different, uh, but I, I see where we're going with the strawberry example. People with confirmed peanut allergies can also often have what's called cross-reactivity, meaning you could also you're going to have a higher than average likelihood of being allergic to soy or tree nuts as well, uh, even peas and lentils, which I, I wasn't aware of. But from what we understand, this is um, a what's called a type one hypersensitivity reaction of the immune system, right? That's what happens uh, to people who have. 
peanut allergies. Um, you're right, too. You're absolutely right that there is an uh, increase in peanut allergies, but I haven't found too much linking that specifically to this crop rotation idea. And I'm wondering, you know, again, no, like you, I'm, I'm not the expert here, but I'm wondering what causes, like, that's just a, a very interesting um, concept. Uh, we know that people can be sort of desensitized to peanut allergies, right? It can be prevented uh, through diet of the, uh, of the carrying parent when the child is in the womb, um, I think you can also decrease the risk if you give them peanut proteins between like four to 11 months old. Fascinating stuff. I mean, Matt, what, what do you think? Do you know, do you guys know anybody with a peanut allergy? Uh, yeah, I my, do personally. My, uh, I got a nephew who had a peanut allergy for a long time, even though his mom, my sister, uh, took great pains to expose him to peanuts early on, like did all the right things. Uh, he still ended up being pretty allergic, but now he's not allergic to peanuts, but he's got a tree nut allergy. And, you know, it's, it's just really tough because as a, as a parent or somebody, you know, living with an allergy like that, you really do have to be super cautious just going through life. And, you know, in order for that child or person to be safe, you do have to take great pains, like getting on an entire school or, you know, anybody who's going to interact with a certain class to agree, okay, we're not going to, you know, have any of this stuff anywhere near anyone. I think it's, it's why they, they stopped serving peanuts on flights too. They just do, they do almonds now. You don't, you don't see little packets of peanuts anymore because I think it grew to such a concern that they didn't want to be responsible for accidentally exposing someone to peanuts in a closed system. And I don't think they just switch them out when they find out someone has a peanut allergy. I think they were like better safe than sorry. Yeah. It's a weird concept when you think about, you know, when I'm talking about those great pains and like what we'll do to protect one person or a very, very small number of humans amongst us, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, the, I, it's weird to me that we do that. I think it's really good, right? Everybody deserves, you know, to, to be treated in that way. It's just, strange like as a society that we i guess to do that i don't know we also like still not 100 percent sure whether allergies are the causes of certain things or like the degree to which allergies i don't know i just feel like the idea of i'm allergic to this i feel like a lot of people say that just because they think that they, they've been around something yeah it's it's true uh to a degree because we have to remember that you can take uh you can take tests Right, you can go to a medical professional to help suss out specific allergens. They poke but, you, right? They yeah. basically give you a tiny little taste of the thing, and then they see what the poke does. Essentially, and you can see if something weird happens to your skin. Uh, it, but it is true, your point. Uh, sometimes there there are self reported cases of an allergy, right? Like someone may have uh, may have incorrectly attributed like a a, a spot of diarrhea or something to uh, some kind of allergy, right? And it makes sense in their mind, but they didn't have a doctor check it out, you know? Uh, and of course, let's be honest, in the U.S., you often won't be able to afford to have a doctor check it out. Uh, but we do know allergies are real. People may, people may think they have allergies and there may be another explanation or they may be allergic to something else, right? That they associate with the, the culprit in their mind. Uh, this, I mean, but still it is, it can be very, very dangerous. And I, one of the questions that I, I always think we should tackle with this kind of stuff is are aller, uh, is the peanut allergy trend is it rising or are there better diagnostic tools like think mm. about it if you look back to the 90s the, I mean, right it's, yeah. Yeah. right if yeah. you look back in say the 1890s how many people were dying of peanut allergies we honestly do not know they were too busy dying of the plague i think for anyone to worry about peanuts, and brain you know? fever you know right. and left-footedness yeah. or whatever uh no it's a really good point but we've sort of like uh 
you know, kind of like done the, done the homework at this point and have been able to separate, you know, what the thing is. And then we've been able to kind of isolate a little better over time, you know, what the cause of certain maladies might be. I think it's a really, really good point. Um, I, I do still think the crop rotation idea is interesting. I, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but I think it's, it's, it was worth chatting about. For sure. I mean, because then the idea is implicitly that the crop rotation is changing something about the peanut, right? Or adding some contaminant to the peanut. In that case, then logically, what we would be saying is that peanut allergies are on the rise because something different is occurring with the peanuts themselves, right? Or the things associated with them. So there are two, like, there are two fascinating questions here and they're and they're difficult to answer you know i um i we also know that uh crop rotation leads to superior peanut yields like it's better for if you're a peanut farmer you know like jimmy carter once upon a time then it's better for you to rotate crops because you'll produce more product also though i mean the, you know the fda is very aware of these types of things and very concerned about allergies and all of that stuff and would you know certainly be overseeing if adulterants that could potentially hurt people ended up in scaled uh agricultural operations and we know like if you go to places like peanutallergy.com then you can you can see that people have been thinking about this for some time. On on this website, um, one of their forums, uh, I found a very similar idea to yours, Quinkadink, which uh, asked the question, could the process of crop rotation combined with food harvesting mean that peanuts end up getting in something else, causing more peanut reactions, or could it be contaminating something about the peanuts themselves? It's a it's a tough one. My my mind feels like it's playing with a Rubik's cube. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's true. It's something worth uh, considering and looking into. And even just you know, we did what did we do that that episode recently about it was sort of based around crop rotation and uh, sustainability. Permaculture. What was that Permaculture, exactly. So I mean, even that in and of itself is a f- philosophical concept to a degree. But then once you get into these like scaled agriculture operations, it does become more about the yield. And perhaps, as we know, in finance, sometimes you'll do things that are less than uh, scrupulous in, in, in the service of the yield, you know. So, I mean, again, not not casting any aspersions on big agriculture here specifically, but it is something interesting to think about. Like, are there things happening behind the scenes, as we know, with like GMOs and all of that? That we've yet to even fully wrap our heads around, like what what they do long term, right? Yeah, you know, I I know we're spending some time on this, but now that I think about it, the so a peanut has its pod in the ground, right? That's how they grow, and it doesn't have a hard shell, you know, like a coconut or a walnut. Yes, we know they're very different things, uh, but does that mean that stuff in the soil could leach? into like through that uh soft peanut skin is that possible i'm thinking out loud here but i'm thinking about all the uh all the pesticides and all the herbicides that we know about that were later found to have damaging effects like we were right about neonicotinoids they're killing bees Mm -hmm. You know? yeah, there's a reason you don't need a nutcracker to open up a peanut. You can, it's got like a seam. And also if you, you know, soak them, you can basically make that shell essentially dissolve like cardboard. So you can't really do that with a walnut. And if you did, it would take like way longer and possibly have to have some sort of acidic, you know, additive to even go there. But peanuts are kind of like nature's cardboard in terms of the shell. I like that. I like that. That's poetic. And we are aware that it is understood to be caused by several specific proteins, right? Uh, So it's that cause is pretty well researched and well known. Oh, man. I've got to call it. Does anybody have a peanut guy? We got to talk to a peanut guy. A peanut guy. It's well, called certainly your local live, we, we certainly guys. live in peanut. We live in peanut country. Yeah, and even in like Five Guys, very big signs, you know, peanuts and and potentially in everything, you know, because they've got those big crates of the things and they're all over the floor. You ever been to like a steakhouse that has like peanut shells on the floor? Back in the day, you know, they certainly wouldn't have had a, a warning going in, but nowadays they probably are 
a little more careful to do that. Um, well, let's take a quick pause, hear a word from our sponsor, and then come back with one more piece of listener mail. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. Podcast producer? Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424. Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hello. We're back. I was about to start the show again. I was going to say, you welcome really back were. to the show. My name is Matt. I can uh, feel well, myself doing welcome, it. Yeah, you're welcome back to the show. I mean, it was very weird. Back. A lot of <laughs> stuff happened over the ad break. You know? It's like the cordyceps was just taken over. All right. So um, we are going to jump to the voicemail lines, and we're going to hear a message from an agent of sorts. Here we go. Hey, Matt, Ben, Noel. This is Agent Minuteman from Massachusetts. Just listen to your classic episode on Noah's Ark and your comments about that theme park at the end reminded me of uh, the Holy Land. Not like Israel, but uh, Holy Land, Connecticut. It was a theme park built in the 50s in the town of Waterbury. It was uh, shut down in the 80s, and it's well known for having a huge cross Big LED panels can see it from miles around. But uh, the park itself's real spooky looking now. A girl was murdered there, and it's become kind of one of these spooky tourist attractions. It seemed right up your guy's alley, so I thought I'd let you know. I love a, a story involving uh, ramshackled amusement parks. There was a Stephen King, kind of lesser Stephen King novella called Funland, I think it was called. Um, great set piece. Anytime you're in like a haunted house, kind of a trashy haunted house, um, always really fun fodder for uh, a spooky mystery. Yes. Uh, it's I Ben, I want to say this is a vocabulary word of the day that you've presented to us before in the past. Uh, canopsia. I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly. Canopsia. Yeah. The, the eerie feeling of being in a place that was once busy with people as like the ghosts oh, of all yes. the people that once inhabited yes. this place are now gone and it's empty and abandoned. And that I don't, feeling. Yeah. I, 
I don't know how, uh, <laughs> I don't know how official that word is. I'm just going to oh, be okay. <laughs> totally okay. honest what? with you. It, I think it's, it's a little more Urban article. Dictionary. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I, but I love it. And everybody has had this feeling before. Um, so just to drive home with an example here, um, why in our conversation, we were talking about this almost quiet holiness, right? Is how people can experience this. You have encountered this. If you have ever been in a 24 hour grocery store and you've looked around and you, you know, you know there's probably a cashier somewhere, but there's just the Muzak playing. There's something sad and, and very, um, it's it's like Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows type stuff. Like uh, another example would be, you know, um, a city after a tragedy or a city during a holiday, you know. Times Square after 9-11, you know. Yeah. Or, or, or Times Square during the pandemic. Exactly. Like amazing, amazing photographs of places that are usually just heavily trafficked that were just, uh, yeah, it's almost like, it's kind of like um, deja vu. It's got a, a sort of vibe like that where it's like you're experiencing an otherworldly thing that isn't really something you can fully tap into, you know, psychologically or, or intellectually rather. Um Dead malls, great example. You know, giant, empty, cavernous spaces that used to be bustling with shoppers that are now essentially like overgrown, weird places that are too expensive for anyone to rent. Well, in a weird way, ex that experience to me is a lot like time traveling for just a moment because there is a point in time when humanity is wiped from the earth, but some of the structures will remain at least for a time, right? No matter when that is in in time, how far advanced we are or how devolved de we are, there will be a moment, right, where there's just structures and there's one person left observing it or a small group of people. Yeah. Check out the show The World Without Us mm -hmm. uh, back, back when uh, History Channel was still doing stuff like that. So, yeah, you, you get to have that, that window, that moment in time. Well, this place that uh, Agent Miniman describes here, Holy Land USA, that's the full title, in Waterbury, Connecticut, uh, kind of has that vibe right now. It's being, I don't want to spoil it too much, guys, but it is being used right now for some worship ceremonies. Uh, it is like a Christian worship ceremonies, uh, like mass, things like that. But for a long time, from 1984 until, gosh, the, the past the 2010s, this place was completely abandoned. It was started by a gentleman in the 1950s who decided, you know, I want to build a place where people can go and experience essentially the biblical town of Bethlehem or a replication of the biblical town of Bethlehem. But I want to make like everything tiny. It looks more like the town of Bedrock. When you look at the, like the actual, it looks like the Flintstones themed kind of amusement park. It's very, very, very weird. Well, are you talking about the, there's a link I sent you guys to discovery.com. Is that the one you're talking I'm, about? Yeah. I'm just looking at the image there. Is that not it? That, it's, it, it, that's it is, one right? part of it, but there, there are other images on another site that I sent to you guys. It's called messy, Nessie chick.com mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that, that has some images of the actual mini Bethlehem that was created. Uh, it's got coral castle vibes. Honestly. Yeah. With yeah. uh, with a better paint job, because it's like it somebody does have had a something of a budget, but not an inexhaustible budget, <laughs> and yeah. they did the best they could with what they well, had. The thing that you can't tell from the picture is the scale, because this is I I don't it's less than half scale, I believe. Uh, yeah, oh, like so Rock like City reproductions. Yes, exactly. So if you're at the front where these large gates are in, the, in these pictures we're looking at, it, it looks like there's a town that kind of moves up this hill or up this mountain. And from the perspective, it looks like a regularly sized bunch of houses and, and uh, buildings, but really they're just tiny and it's just meant to look like it. And to my understanding, the creator's idea was that anyone from any religious background of any faith could come here and just kind of spend some time in this place almost as a, mm -hmm. in a meditative state to just imagine what it would be like to be here in this time and place that is written about in the Bible. 
it's very, it's very cool to me. I don't know. I, I, no, I like it. It is. Yeah. I it like is. it because it reminds me of, I mean, fellow nerds in the audience back me up here. Uh, the historical uh, reproduction towns that some of us visited in grade school where someone's like, you know, there's an ancient tradition to churn in butter. Why, I recall vividly, you know what I mean? And they're doing the, the acting thing. I love that stuff. And I think we all um, really enjoy this idea of visiting the past or experiencing it in person, even if it is a past with which you do not agree or to which you do not subscribe, this stuff can be really, really cool. Uh, there is one thing that's great about the messy Nessie link you sent, Matt, is you do get a, a better sense of scale when you see two kids, right? That's, I, I think that's where we're going. There's a, uh, a neat picture of, of two kids standing outside in uh, a small building, an inn, a hotel. Uh, and, and based on the perceived height of the children, I think if you took an, if you, uh, a person, an adult person standing would probably be right at the ceiling of that thing or higher. So yep. it's, yeah, so cool. What happened to those reproduction places? You know, can we go? Can we just go to one? Is that in the budget? There were a couple in Florida, though I don't know their current state after uh, Ian and some of the other like terrible tragedies that are going on down there right now with uh, weather. Um, but yeah, I, I remember going to a bunch of down there. I, I want to talk to you guys really quickly a, a little more about this place and the history because it is it is pretty cool. There, uh, there's a guy named John Baptist Greco or Greco, G-R-E-C-O. I want to say maybe it's Greco. Um, it might be Baptiste. Oh, yeah, maybe it is Jean Baptiste just, Greco. Just, just a thought. Yeah. Greco? Man, I'm sorry. I'm only reading these things, and yeah, English whatever, is man. weird. You can kill it, say dude. things in different ways. Uh, but this dude was an attorney there in Waterbury, and... Uh, as I was saying, he wanted this place to be like a cool meditative thing. Um, it was you like the materials used for this thing. You guys were saying it was maybe a little ramshackle. Uh, it, it is, it's mostly reused materials from other projects, other construction, other things like that. I mean, we're talking everything like old fridges that are, are helping to, <laughs> to fill this thing out, cinder blocks, things like that. Uh, and it was successful in the 1960s and 70s. There were a lot of people, around 40,000 people visiting this place every year as a, not really a pilgrimage, but just, you know, maybe a curiosity, a place of interest. In 1984, the guy who created this place closed it down. And the plan was refurbish the entire thing, make it better than it's ever been. We've actually made, you know, a little bit of money through the project. We can make it better. Then we'll reopen it. But unfortunately, he passed away very soon after closing it down and gave it to a group of nuns. And this is where the eerie part comes in. It's not because the nuns are haunting it or something like that, which would be oh. a, a great Blumhouse movie. Uh, yeah, but, I, say, I'm out, I think I'm there's out. a couple of them. Are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's because they they essentially looked after the property, but they didn't keep it up. Does that make sense? They didn't. So they make, did a bad job. Is what no, you're saying. no. <laughs> they like you know. They did their some, best. They did the rest that they could, but it was like a volunteer thing. Like, oh, well, this is ours now. Oh, geez. Okay, I guess we'll fit this into our schedules. Uh, you know? <laughs> Got, it. Got it. Yeah. They made sure it wasn't like fully vandalized or burned to the ground, but they didn't like, you know, well, it was vandalized. The jobs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, it was vandalized yeah, at times. It was, you know, it, it remained though, right? It, let's just, I, I don't know how to put that in a nicer way. They didn't really do much with it. It kind of grew over. Uh, and kids, you know, teenagers used it as like a spot to go because it's weird, right? Well, then there were a bunch of uh, community efforts to actually clean the place up. Uh, our caller mentioned a giant cross, right? That's visible from really far away. That mm -hmm. cross it's is like a neon, like neon looking thing. Well, it is now. Originally, it oh, was okay. not. But it's gone through several restorations, I think three complete rebuilds, and it is now this huge light, uh, lit cross that you can see from God, even further away now. Man, that cross is lit. 
Yeah. Um, but, but the, the, oh God, you got to switch gears here because there was something terrible that occurred that's been confirmed on the grounds where in 2010, a young woman of 16 named Chloe was assaulted and murdered and her body was left there at the park by a guy who was then charged with those things and began serving a 50, 55 year sentence. Um, so I don't know, at least that guy's behind bars. The person was caught, but it does like then give this place a whole other sense of eeriness, right? Uh, a, a life was lost there in a, in a terrible way. So just when I'm thinking about strange places like that, that feeling of canopsia that we, you know, or maybe not really a feeling, but a word to describe a thing, this place has a lot of those different feelings. It's a, it's a real mixed bag of them. Up there. Who's the idea of a place feeling haunted, you know, I mean, like the, even even if something horrible hasn't happened in a place like this, you are almost experiencing, like you said, Matt, the the ghosts of those that came before. Like the idea of some place being haunted, I think, is more of a psychological phenomenon than like a supernatural one. You know what I mean? Mm. Where your, your imagination kind of fills in the gaps and you, you, you are seeing a place that that should have tons of people there, but doesn't. And then you, you, you get this sense of whatever. And that's a great word for this canopsia. One thing I thought was neat though, on the website, uh, holylandwaterbury.org is it has one um, image where it shows kind of what the housing situation might've looked like. And it's the kind of housing you might see today in like San Francisco, Sausalito, like these houses on these hillsides that are all different colors are like the flavelas in Rio de Janeiro. And it, and it obviously is, is kind of an older style of architecture where everything was just like, you know, you had this finite amount of uh, real estate, literally, and things just kind of got shoved on these hills, probably a little haphazardly uh, in certain senses. And I think that's interesting because I never really thought about what the Holy Land, I guess I've always pictured it as being kind of flat, but that doesn't really make sense. And maybe this is historically accurate. Maybe it's not. But when I see this image on the website, I immediately think of those favelas in uh, Rio or like those, you know, houses in Sausalito in, um, you know, or, or in Italy, you know, like the, the multicolored or Havana, you know, like a lot of old world kind of things seem to mimic this type of architecture. Man, no. Uh, yeah. By the way, if you look this up on Google Maps or whatever your map of choice is, you can find it. Pretty easily. It's a clickable link. You can get on your map. You can go to the website, holylandwaterbury.org. And it does seem as though there are things going on there. Has it been mapped like uh, in 3D? Like if you went there and, and did like Google Earth, could you actually walk through it and see oh. like, like real, real time kind of stuff? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't attempted That'd that be fun. yet. Well, you can do that with, if you have like a if you have an Oculus, you can do that in the the Google Maps or it's called like Discover or whatever it's called. It's like a app for Oculus where you can literally virtually go to a, a street corner. This would be a really interesting thing to try to enter into that app. Hmm, that's amazing, uh, guys. I don't know if Holy Land USA is open today. I can't tell. It seems Urban like exploration. It, it, well, it seems like it might be open or at least parts of it. And the website is, is says 2022 Waterbury Holy Land site designed and hosted. So, I mean, at the very least, there's a, there's a link to make a donation and there's a FAQ and a contact us, get in touch link. So maybe they're trying to get funds to reopen it, but the ah. website is definitely kept up by somebody. It says, well, see, here's the thing. This is the best information on the website. Then we'll get out of here, guys. On their FAQ, it says, can I visit Holy Land? It says it's not yet open to the public, but we're working to make that happen. But that was written a while ago because it says, no trespassing is strictly enforced after sunset. We hope to have the park open during the day in 2019. And then the pandemic happened. And then the pandemic happened. <laughs> so I don't oh, know. Doer. I yeah. love I love uh, abandoned places so much, you know. They've got those Ozymandias vibes that are just umami to me, and that it's a very weird sentence. But you guys get that just Ozymandias umami, right? Oh God, that's that's an anime. We're done. <laughs> I have I have one little last thing that this reminds me of. Um, when I was a kid, I went to this, when I lived in Germany, I went to this place in Munich uh, where 
they filmed it's like Bavaria Studios where they filmed the never ending story. Um, the, the the director was German and they filmed that entirely in Germany. And there is a little kind of theme park, quote unquote, for the never ending story where you can ride on the, you know, Falcor, the, the dragon or whatever. And they've got like a lot of like scale models of the rock muncher and the snails and all that stuff. And I don't know if it's open, but there was an article on Dangerous Minds years ago that just sort of had some really creepy pictures of it like everything just covered in snow and it just seemed kind of abandoned and I just I, I went there when I was a kid and I rode Falcor and they is a blue screen and they blow like a fan in your hair and then they give you a VHS and I wish to God I had that VHS but the, you know and I'm not saying that like the Bible is like a fantasy, like the never ending story but there are things about this site that do have an air of fantasy to it it's almost like a a stylized, you know, version of, of, of the Bible of history. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's someone's vision made real, right? What's the weirdest place you've been to fellow conspiracy realists? What's your favorite strange amusement park? Uh, I won't go on air with mine cause I don't want to blow up the spot and I'm not sure what side of the law I am on when I explore that place. But uh, as always, we are legally required to tell you not to break into places if people ask you not to do so. Uh, we want to hear from you, not just about these abandoned places, and, and thank you very much, Minuteman, not just about peanut allergies, winky dink, uh, and not just about the ongoing protest in Iran. Please, of course, Reach out to us and let us know your experience with these issues, these stories. Uh, let us know your questions and write to us about any old thing. We especially love new leads. Uh, you are some of the uh, best sources for new episodes that we ever get. We're so glad you're here. Uh, stay safe, folks. And uh, why not reach out and become part of the show with us? We try to be easy to find online. Oh, yeah. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube and you can find us on Facebook at the handle Conspiracy Stuff on Instagram. We're Conspiracy Stuff Show. Our phone number that you can call right now if you want to. You can pause this. Go ahead. Call one eight. Oh, you paused it. Hold on. You got to play this next thing and then then you can do that. Okay. One eight three three STDWYTK. Okay. We'll wait. All right. Thanks for coming back. Uh, oh, wait. I didn't even tell you the instructions yet. I hope you didn't just like do a dead air voicemail. That's the worst. Don't do that. Give yourself a cool moniker. We don't care what it is. Anonymity is cool. As we say here on the show, let us know if we can use your voice and message on the air in one of our listener mail episodes. And uh, that's it. Three minutes. Go to town. If you don't want to call us, you can instead send us a good old fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Attention, true crime enthusiasts. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.